Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now, your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. It's where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Well, today, my friends, we're going to go off into the wild side. I get emails like this all the time, but today, for some reason, I feel like I'm going to go ahead and humor the, the question. The question is basically, what are the more interesting type real estate deals you've done, more profitable deals you've done, or worse deals you've done? And really, I've been doing this for 30 years, so it's quite a few deals, both myself and helping other people do deals. So there's quite a a few to choose from. But I just picked a few out here that I want to go and go ahead and explain. The first one I want to explain, I I talked about the other day, it's a, a rather unique deal because what it proves is that you can turn lemons into lemonade in real estate. You know, the stock market crashes on you, you really can't do any. There's no phys- nothing physical you could do to go fix that problem. But in real estate, there are workarounds that you can make things happen and still come out smelling like a rose even when you fell into a pile of you know what. So the first one I'm going to talk about is a set of duplexes. It was five duplexes in a row that I bought as a commercial deal because they were not surveyed separately. They were all on one plot of land. A guy had built them himself. I don't know how he got the building permits other than the fact that they weren't in the city limits. They're out in the county. And so there's very, very weak rules and regulations. They were really, really a piece of garbage. And what they were was 10 little brick houses, actually five little brick duplexes that had gravel driveways, no garages, And inside, the only thing they had inside was one bathroom. And in the kitchen, all they had was one sink, kitchen sink. There was no stove, no refrigerator, no vent hood type of thing, uh, except what the previous owner had put in there, which was the cheapest stove and the cheapest refrigerator you could buy, is all that were in these things. So there's really nothing to do with them. The tenants were all ridiculously terrible tenants when I took it over. I mean, one guy had a, had literally had a shop. He was building stuff in his duplex. Another group had two or three families living together in one of them. There were all types of strange people living there. And uh, all I saw was opportunity. Why did I see opportunity? Well, first of all, I bought 10 units for $200,000. That's $10,000 a unit. They were rented at the time, I think, for... $300, the two-bedroom, one-bathroom, rented for only like $300, $350 a door. Once I bought them, I raised the rents immediately to 500 and probably could have got more for them, but they were just such low-end piece of real estate. I didn't really think it was really important to do that. Whenever I'd do a make-ready on them, they had linoleum floors, so there was no carpet to replace. And all we'd do is we'd go in and paint the walls. And uh, I joked that we painted it with high-gloss beige paint. And the reason we did that was because nothing stuck to it. And so this was really designed to be a Class D housing environment. And it was designed to take on what I call Purple Martians, people that don't fit into the other types of housing, where they people that wouldn't be allowed to live in other types of housing. These things were crazy. The people that I got to rep, 
all of them had bad credit. So every single person that moved in, I would make them put up not only first month's rent, but a security deposit equal to two more months' rent. So I was getting three months' rent up front. People were willing to pay it. Why? Because they couldn't rent anywhere else. So this was the cheapest, most inexpensive place I ever owned in my entire life. cost me nothing to own it. The property taxes were nothing on it because of how cheap it was. It had a septic system. And every time it would rain, the yards would flood because the water table was so high from there being a septic system. So finally, the county health board came to me and said, or they left a notice on the doors that something has to be done because because of the septic systems, you can't have this high water table. You need to fix this somehow. So I called up the county and said, you know, what's going on with this deal? And they go, well, you've got to fix this problem. And I said, okay, how do I do that? They go, well, you need to get an engineer out there and redesign either the septic system or find some way to get the water out of the backyard, whatever. So I called. I said, give me an engineer. He went out there, looked at it, and said, boy, you've got a problem here, boy. I said, really? He goes, yeah, you got a problem here. Too much water. Like I didn't know I had too much water. I said, well, what do you think I can do about it? He said, well, here's what you need to do, boy. You don't have any gutters on this house. So what you need to do is put up gutters on this house. And by the way, it wasn't all of them. It was just the one on the low end. Kind of the land kind of sloped downward. He said, you need to put gutters up on this house and shoot those gutters out into that front ditch there because the ditch, the open ditch that ran along the street that the houses were on. I said, that's all I need to do? He goes, that's all you need to do. And so... I put the gutters on the house, and uh, I ran the one gutter out to the ditch, called him back. County goes, yeah, you did what the engineer said to do. Here's an engineer report. The engineer gave me a report that if you do this, it will fix the problem. I did it. County came out, said, okay, you did what he said to do. Voila, problem is fixed. Wow. So this kind of stuff just kept happening with this house. It was kind of a crazy deal. And the story gets rather long and complicated, but very, very interesting and fun. Behind it was another lot, and this lot was grown up with weeds like you've never seen before in your life. I mean, trees and brush and weeds, and it was unbelievable. You would never go back there, but they were bulldozing all that stuff right now to build a commercial building, big, giant warehouse back there. And the bulldozer guy had come by and told my tenant that, hey, as I was driving, bulldozing through here, all of a sudden, I broke off a pipe. And all of this sewage started coming up. And what had happened was the guy who had built the place, which is who I bought it from, had put his septic system into the neighbor's yard. There was no neighbor there. I understand it was just a big empty field, but he had gone past his lot line into the yard because he didn't have enough land to legally set up a septic system. Now, the interesting part of the story is the guy was an engineer that did legal work for people who would go and testify. He would testify in court that somebody had done something illegal as an you know engineering report. So this guy knew. <laughs> so I called the guy. I said, what's the deal with this thing, man? By the way, he sold this to me on an owner finance note with only $25,000 down. I'd already made back the $25,000 big time over. I made like $2,000 a month positive cash flow plus whatever else that you know, we talked about earlier. So I'd already made back my 25000 I actually had nothing in the deal. And he had owner financed the rest of it. And he goes, well, I don't know anything about this. Uh, I said, well, you built it and you're an engineer. And the guy goes, oh, no, I was out of the country at the time doing work in Africa or something. I knew he was lying to me, but I said, okay, fine. So I started thinking what I could do, and I went 
And the, to the, the first thing I did was I went to all of my tenants immediately. Because as soon as you find out you have a problem, you need to take care of it. And I went to my tenants with a document from my attorney that basically read something like this. We have at this moment found out that there could be a problem with the septic system. We don't know if that has created any in the past is dangerous now or in the past has been dangerous or in the future may be dangerous. We don't have any idea about that. We have not had it researched well enough yet. We're looking at doing the repairs necessary to bring it online. However, because we don't know if there's any potential hazard, we are willing to let you out of your lease and give you back your security deposit if you'd like to leave. And no harm, no foul, you know, blah, blah, blah. If you decide to stay, you release us of all liability from this problem, both previously, now, and or in the future. I didn't think anybody would sign that. I thought everybody would just leave. Do you know not one person left? This is where you have the best product at the best price. I had people living in a place they couldn't replicate. They couldn't go to another place either because my rent was so low or because they had such bad credentials. So nobody left. Everybody signed the documents. I owned it inside of an LLC. They now had released me, so my tenants had released me. I had an LLC around the deal, so nobody could get to me anyway. And I, had, by getting them to sign that, they had released me. So in other words, they could sell the LLC, uh, but they had given a release to the LLC and to me, so they couldn't come after me for saying, well, you knew about it. Why didn't you do something? Because I did. I immediately took action. The next thing I did was I got in touch with the county. I said, look, I got this, this problem here. What can I do to fix it? And they go, so they, they said, well, you don't have enough land space to, to create a, a septic field. So you're going to need to, long story short, put in a sewer line. So I found out the, the sewer line, the city sewer line actually ended at the beginning of my property. So what I would have to do is dig up all my backyards and put a sewer line in, run it up to the house, connect it to the house, and then run out to the sewer line. I said, okay, that's fine. I'll do that. I said, how much is that going to cost? Well, I, I looked up how much it cost me. And the total price to do that was 25000 bucks. And they said, you're going to have to you know, do this and then get it inspected. And the way it works is, is that you dig it. They come out and inspect the hole. You put the plumbing and the pipes in. They come out and inspect the pipes. You cover it back up. You now donate it to them. They now own it, and now you pay for the rights to use it, believe it or not. That's how it works. Okay, no big deal. When I went to, to try to do this, they said I couldn't do it. I said, why not? Because you don't have a subdivision. What do you mean you don't have a subdivision? You have to have a subdivision. So I had to go back and get it replotted as 10 houses. Otherwise, the city sewer couldn't go there. So I had it replotted as 10 houses, created a subdivision called Delville, and we started, you know, doing the work. Temporarily, though, while we were doing the work, there was no way to get rid of the sewage. So the county gave me a easement, a bypass on the law, and said I could take my septic system, put pumps on it, and pump it into the sewer above ground. So I had a pipe going above ground into the sewer, and we were piping the sewage into the sewer that way instead of underground. Now that I knew exactly what I was going to do, I knew it cost $25,000. I went back over to the guy that owned the finance place. I said, look, here's the deal. You can do this one of two ways. You can give me a check for $25,000 today, and I'll go do this and fix this problem, and you'll be done with it. Or you can say no, and I will let all the tenants know that you built it illegally, and let each and every single one of them sue you personally for whatever potential damages they have. I will sue you personally for selling me something illegally that you knew you had, and you are going to be in all kinds of hurt for this reason. My note to you is personal. You have no LLC. You didn't sell me this from inside of an LLC. You sold me it from your name. You owned it in your own name. Every one of us, including the tenants, are going to be able to sue you to death. You're going to go down. Guy didn't say a word. 
He walked over to his desk, pulled out his checkbook, wrote me a check for $25,000 and said, good doing business with you. Thank you. Done. Now, what's the good part of the story? The good part of the story is after I plotted everything, they became houses. They were no longer apartments. The apartments, as apartments, they were worth $10,000 a door. As houses, they were worth whatever the comps said they were worth. The comps said they were worth $45,000 each, and they were the exact same buildings they were when I bought them for $10,000 a door. Because the comps, I was able to sell them for $450,000, and I bought them for two hundred, so I made $250,000 on a $25,000 down payment. Now, what do you think that is? That's a 1,000% return. Now, tell me that's not a great deal. Not to mention that I also made $24,000 a year for two and a half years, which is another $76,000 on rent on $25,000. Now, that is almost impossible to beat that kind of return, but I can beat it. Because the next deal I'm going to tell you about, it, and you don't want to leave, you don't want to turn off the station. I'm going to tell you I bought an apartment complex for nothing, for nothing out of my own pocket and made infinite rate of return into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. We'll be right back with the Del Wilder Radio Show. Want to continue the conversation inside the community? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook. Stay up to date on upcoming events, market trends, member stories, featured podcasts, real estate wisdom, and more. You can even join us a couple times a month as we go live with our case study events right on Facebook from the comfort of your home. Get online and get in the know. Turn listening on the radio into participating in the community. Like and follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today I'm sharing some of the stories, crazy stories of my life, real estate investing career. And um, there's so many of them I can't get in close to getting them all in. And there's some of them, they're so unbelievable, you probably won't even believe them. I'm going to tell you about the next stories. I bought uh, three apartment complexes in a row on one street. The first one I bought, I bought from a guy that was a multi, 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 multi-zillionaire. He owned uh, casinos, class A apartment complexes. He owned uh, strip shopping centers, uh, grocery stores. I mean, the guy owned everything. He was rich. Uh, his dad had been rich and brought him into the business. And this was a piece of garbage, 64-unit apartment complex out, out in the middle of nowhere. It was dirty. It was unmaintained. It was The rents were $100, $150 a month below market rent, the same area. That was just run into the ground. And so I'm talking to this guy about buying this thing from him. And uh, I said, well, what's the deal? How do you own something terrible like this one? I know, you know, I've looked you up. You own all this really great stuff. Guy goes, let me tell you a story. 20 years ago, my father died, and before on his deathbed, he made me promise if, if he gave me the family business, I had to take care of my brother. So I bought my brother this apartment complex for a million dollars 20 years ago and told him if he would renovate it and increase the rents, he could make it worth $2 million overnight. My brother took a hold of this thing. I paid cash for it. I didn't finance it. It was only a million bucks, which was nothing to me. And my brother took over the the property and never did a thing, never did anything to improve the place at all. 
he lived off the $100,000 a year of NOI. So back then, cap rates were 10%, so 100000 NOI made the place worth a million dollars. And so I negotiated the guy. He wanted to sell for a million bucks. And I said, look, the roof is bad. The, this is bad. That's bad. Everything's bad. The rents are low. You know, I'll give you 800000 He goes, no, I'm not going to take 800000 I'll take nine. So we went back and forth, and he got nine. I wanted eight. He got nine. But still got a reduction in price, right? So then uh, he was going to, I said, you got to owner finance it for me because it's in such bad shape that I could never get a loan on this thing. It's going to take a lot of work. So why don't you get owner finance it for me? Because here's what I'll do for you. I'll owner finance it for five years. And at the end of five years, you're going to have to refinance it or I'm going to take it back. And I said, not a problem. I, ag- I agreed to that. Then I said, okay, I want to put $100,000 down. And he goes, no, I need you to have more skin in the game than I want $150,000 out of you. And so we agreed to $150,000 as a down payment. And then he would um, owner finance the, the rest, which was like uh, $750,000, I think it was, that he would owner finance. So I took it over and immediately raised the rents $100 a door, just across the board. Started fixing things, uh, went up on the roof and patched up the roof everywhere where it was leaking so it would just survive. Repainted the outside of it so it looked better and started doing better make readies. And within six months to a year, I'd raise the rents on everybody. So now with that rent increase, the property was worth $2 million. So I went and found out that I could take the $2 million, refinance that property, and I could pay him off and still put money in my pocket. I went to him and I said, look, um, I know you gave me a five-year note. If I could pay it off early, would you discount the note? Thinking I'm going to get him to go down because I knew I could do it. And he goes, no. No, I like I like you owe me money. You pay really well. You're always on time. This is a good little side note for me. I said, all right, you got me. I'm going to go ahead and pay it off anyway then. And so I went and I refinanced and pulled out the money and got a new loan put on there. Paid him off and put money in my pocket. So within one year, the value of this property had gone up a million dollars. In one year, I only put in about seventy five. So how did you only put in seven five? I thought it was $150,000 down. Here's what happened. When I negotiated the deal, I negotiated to close on the 5th of the month where they had already collected most of the rents. So at that point, what happened was I got prorated rent of $25,000 at closing. I also got the security deposits from the tenants, which was another $20,000. So there was $45,000 credited to me. I then got the property taxes because it was late. It was um, late in the year, and he owed the property taxes coming up in a few months. So I got credit twenty seven thousand dollars for property taxes, and then the creme de la creme. I bought the place using my real estate company as the buyer's rep, and I pulled out fourteen thousand dollars. All told, I had eighty six thousand dollars worth of credits. When I sat down at the table, I had to come up with sixty four thousand dollars. So if you can imagine. I took $64,000 in a little over a year. By the time I got the refinance done and everything, I'd made over a million dollars. Not to mention the cash flow. And I had raised the rents over $100 a piece. Now, as I'm sitting here with this piece of garbage building, the building across the street from me, uh, which is a 68, this was a 64, there's a 68 there. The guy had rebuilt it. The guy that did it was an engineer, and he was a University of Houston's president of the engineering department. So the guy just went wacko. He had overdid it, spent millions to renovate this place. And then he found out that just because he'd spent millions, he'd renovated everything. Everything from the studs out was brand new. All new sheetrock, all new electrical, all new plumbing, all new cabinets, counters, appliances. Everything was brand new. Even new electrical boxes and new electrical meters. Place was beautiful. I thought it looked like a class B property. He found how though. 
that no one would buy it because he made a really stupid mistake. He put a loan on it that had to be assumed and could not be paid off. And nobody wanted to come to the table with the large amount of money he wanted. It would have taken $750,000 out of pocket. Back then, that's unheard of to put that much down on a little teeny property in a bad part of town. So I went to him on the property across the street, and I said, look, I'll tell you what I'll do. I negotiated down to three hundred fifty thousand dollars, three hundred twenty. I think it was three twenty or something like that. Three twenty-five to a note of seven hundred and fifty. So I paid about a million fifty for it, something like that. Million five hundred thousand, I think, is what I paid for it. And because of that, I only had to come to the table with the money. It didn't matter where the money came from because I'm assuming a note. They're not looking at me and financing me on a new deal. So I went and I took twenty-seven credit cards. And went to the bank and pulled out $327,000 on my credit cards. I picked these credit cards out of the 50 that I had because every single one of them was zero or up to and no more than 4% interest with long periods of no payment. I did this and the bank got flipped out about it. And the guy goes, but how are you going to pay the interest? I go, that's what you don't get. There is no interest. And he said, well, why didn't you come to us for a loan to do this? I said, because you charge too much interest. So lo and behold, I did it. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Even though this place had a million-dollar renovation on top of it, and it was 10 times better than the property across the street that I owned, its rents were $100 a month below mine. They should have been $100 a month higher than mine. So I immediately raised the rents $100 a month, increased the value of the property, right? Just immediately increased the value of the property. About that time, I refinanced the property across the street, the old one. I'd come to the end of that story, and I pulled out enough money to pay off all the credit cards. And I think I paid the credit cards maybe six months down the line, little pieces here and there of money. But I took the money from the other one and paid the credit cards off, so I actually had no money out of pocket in either deal. And now I had each one of these properties, after I raised the rents, Two more times, right? They were about $300 a month by the time I left. They were $600 and $800 a month, respectively, for one bedroom and two bedroom. I had been making about fifteen grand a month per building, all with nothing out of pocket. That, my friend, is how to do a real estate deal. This next one is when my wealth really catapulted. It was a giant 320-unit apartment complex that I bought during the recession in 2008. It was on a street where there was a it was a two-block street with 11 apartment complexes, 3,500 units. This one was 320 units. When I went to buy it, it was in foreclosure, and Fannie Mae tried to sell it to me, or Freddie Mac, I think it was Freddie Mac, tried to sell it to me, and they wanted 16000 a door. I signed a contract for 16000 a door. Everything else on the street had been, it had been bought for 50000 a door and had a debt of $35,000 a door on it. So they had to compete with a debt of $35,000 per door, and they had paid $50,000, and I was going into contract for $16,000. When I got in there and did my due diligence and feasibility, I found out the place was uh, 54% occupied and going down quick. And I said, I really can't give you $16,000. I mean, I also found there was $4 million worth of renovation I would need to do to bring it back. So I said, you know, I'll give you $14,000. And they said, no, we won't take $14,000. We'll take, you know, we want sixteen. So I said, okay, uh, I got to let it go then because the numbers just aren't working out for me. And what they were going to do was they were going to finance it, owner finance it for me. But they wanted me to bring, number one, the down payment, of 20% and they wanted me to bring rehab money of 4 million in. And so what it ended up doing was like, man, that's that's a lot of money. That's like 6 million bucks or something like that. So no, I don't think I want to do that. So then they went along and they found somebody else to go into contract for 16,000 a door and they backed out too. 
So they came back to me and said, okay, look, we'll take the 14000 if you'll do the deal. I said, okay, I'll sign for fourteen. So I signed up for 14000 We went in, do our due diligence again on the second contract, and occupancy had dropped to 22%. And of the 22%, almost all of them were felons. And I said, man, I can't do this for, for four. There's no, there's no tenants. There's no value. There's no tenants. It's 100%. Got to first evict. Everybody's in the place. I have to totally renovate the place. It's going to take way more than that to do that. Besides that, by the time I put down the down payment and the renovation money necessary and all the, the taxes, and it's not going to be any better than a regular deal. And so I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you $8,000 for it, but here's what I'll do. I'll pay cash. You don't know, 8000 a door, not 8000 a door, 8000 a door, but I'll pay cash. And so I don't need to set up any escrow. So all the money I was going to use to set up all these escrows and the down payment all went together and ended up being the same amount of money as it would be to pay 8000 a door cash. And so we paid cash for it. We bought it. And we went into a super fast renovation. We brought three different construction companies in. At the time, though, I needed money. And so what I did was I put a sign out that said, one bedroom. Now, by the way, all one bedrooms on this street, every single person apartment on this street that was a one bedroom was at a price of $650 per month. I put a sign out in front of my apartment complex that said $299 move in total. And I'd convinced myself that what was really important was to get bodies in the buildings because as we renovated the buildings if we left them vacant then this was a bad street there would have been people been vandalizing them and stealing all of our appliances and wrecking our stuff so i had to get get almost give the units away but what i did was i made it this way the sign said 299 for one bedroom but that was in a third story third floor bedroom if you wanted to go to a second floor bedroom it was 399 if you wanted a first floor bedroom it was 499 and if you wanted a brand new totally renovated unit up by the clubhouse the pool the tennis courts and all that stuff, it was $5.99. Now, $5.99 is still $55 a month cheaper than anywhere on the street. The reality was nobody ever picked the third floor, so we never sold any two ninety nines until we had leased everything else up. Everybody wanted the lower floor, so we didn't even take in two ninety nine. But my friends, there were 3,500 tenants on that street that had to drive right by my sign every day seeing that they were paying six fifty, and they thought everybody in my place was paying two ninety nine. They just immediately fled to my apartment complex. During all that time, I filled up in 18 months. It was 100% occupied. My rents went immediately back up to what theirs were, and three of those apartment complexes went bankrupt. I put three apartment complexes on that street out of business completely. Why? Because I stole all of their tenants. Why? Because I was in at half the price, a third of the price. They were, they were in at 50 grand a door. I was in at eight grand a door, plus 4,000 renovation. I was in at 12. They were in at 50. My rents could be cheaper, and I just froze them out. Now, I don't know how you feel about that, but that was business. Eventually, the property was worth $50,000 a door again. And right now, <laughs> who could be worth 60 or 70? I don't even know because I sold it quite a few years ago. But the bottom line was I put in, in my share of the deal, I put in $100,000 and I had partners. I put in $100,000. I made $1.8 million on this deal. All of my partners, every one of them, even though they didn't make as much as I did, every partner made 185% of their money. It's just an unbelievable deal, an unbelievable deal. And so when you see these kinds of deals, my friends, like the four that I've talked to you about today, and there's others, many others, but like these four of these, you understand that all that stuff about stocks and bonds and mutual funds and financial planets is just rubbish. Del Wamsley offers some tips on a better lifestyle. I put $2,000 down out of my pocket to buy a house. It was 10% down, which was 2,500, 500 to closing costs, which was 3,000. But the tenant before I moved in, the broker had leased the house and he gave me at closing a check for $500 for the rent plus $500 for the security deposit. So I had $1,000, I only brought $2,000 to the table. 
That house today is worth over $150,000, in excess of $150,000. I paid $25,000 for it. It's worth $125,000 more. Do the same calculation, $125,000 with income divided by $2,000 investment, and it comes out to be a 6,250% return. The stock market was a 290% return over 22 years. The fixed rate annuity was 330% over that period of time. But this single family house had a rate of return of 6,250%. It's not accurate. Why? Because did the stock market pay you any dividends every month? Did it pay you cash flow, positive cash flow every month? No. Did the fixed rate annuity pay you cash flow every month? No. And by the way, can you have an income rider on a fixed rate annuity? Yes. But if you do, then it's going to change the rest of what you get. Have a great day. Listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.